We have entered the season of Advent. Advent means, sorry, Advent means coming. It's a season where we expect God's light to light up darkness that this year we maybe have convinced ourselves could not be lit up. We are reminded that thousands and thousands of years ago, people had nothing but hope. Hope that a Messiah and a Savior would actually come. And thousands and thousands of years after faithful people waited a long time with this expectant hope, many of us stand here with a hope in our heart, a deep and expectant hope that God's promises and faithfulness will be made true. That is the season in which we enter. Will you pray with me as this season, uh, as this candle of hope has been lit, may we find hope lit in our own hearts. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who is hope. I thank you for each person here this morning, God. I thank you for those who've come here weary and worn out, desperate for your light. May they find it here this morning. For those who came here this morning with people on their heart who are desperate and hopeless, God, may you use their hands, their feet, their mouths, and their bodies to be your hope in a world desperate for it. For people across the world right now who are hurting in Gaza and Israel, God, we lift them up and we pray desperately and deeply for your hope God, to be real. For those who are hurting in the Ukraine or other parts of the, of the world that there is war and violence, God, we pray desperately this morning for hope. For those in our own country who are struggling through poverty and injustice, God, we, we pray may they find hope. For those of us this morning who bring Family dysfunction, financial troubles, hurt and pain, grief and shame. This morning, God, we ask you, can we find hope this morning? And we pray, God, that this hour we have given to you on this Sunday morning will not be wasted. We trust you, God, to take whatever it is we've brought here and to turn it into hope for a world desperate for it. So we pray in this moment that your message and your word, God, would fuel us up to shine your light and ignite your change in a world desperate for hope. Thank you for choosing us. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so grateful to see each and every one of you here this morning. It is so, so good to see you. So last week, uh, two weeks ago, on a Tuesday evening, I had a meeting all day in Lakeland, Florida, about an hour away. I got in some traffic, so I was going to be late picking up the kids, and I picked them up from my mother-in-law's house about 5.30. Chris had a meeting, so I had the kids that evening by myself. It's raining. It's kind of dreary for Florida, right? It was a long night, and I was like, I do not have time or energy to fix dinner. We're going to Chick-fil-A. Anybody here made the Chick-fil-A decision about 5.30? Yes, we got, we got some Chick-fil-A people. About 5.30 at night. So I take the kids in, and we have Chick-fil-A, and they hand us this red and white styrofoam cup. 
And do you know what it says? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Anybody seen these cups? They're already out. They were out like November 1st, like Halloween, and then it's right, right into it's the most wonderful time of the year. And they've got the ornaments and all that stuff on them. And I'm like, yes, we are headed into the most wonderful time of the year. And so we like sit down and the kids are playing in the play thing and I always make them take a bath when they get home after that thing because I'm scared of what wonderful things they will find in that communal play area, right? And we, they play, we sit down, we eat our dinner and we head home um, and I turn on the news for just a minute while the kids are like getting in the bath and I see more like, this was two weeks ago, more stuff about the war in Israel um, what else happening in Gaza and, and, and in that area. I, so I see that on the news. I, I hear about inflation and all the trouble that so many families are having, even to get thanks, the Thanksgiving meal on the table. And I'm, I'm thinking, I like literally still have my sweet tea from Chick-fil-A that I'm drinking out of this cup. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And I get a text message from a mom who is going through a really terrible divorce right now and, and things have gone really bad in the case and things aren't good for her. And I, she's literally like, can you pray for me? And I'm holding this cup, drinking this sweet tea that says it's the most wonderful time of the year. And all of the things around me, right, feel like they're falling apart. Is it really the most wonderful time of the year? Uh, I have friends who are caring for their elderly parents who are aging. I have um, my best friend moved to North Carolina to be closer to her in-laws, and her mother-in-law has breast cancer, and, and every day is spent caring for them. And Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays coming up just exacerbates what they're already facing. Is it really the most wonderful time of the year? Anybody feel like that? This is also the time when I start like looking through those goals that I made January 1st, right? Those New Year's resolutions that maybe did or did not happen. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got like, Chris tells me he, every day, like we've got 38 more days of the, of the year left. Like I've got 38 more days to make these dreams and goals that I wrote down at the beginning of the year to happen. I've got to put the pedal to the metal. Things at, at church, like it's the end of the year, things are picking up. I'm sure it's the same for you guys at your work. And then on top of all of that, I have three children, and they're out of school at the most inopportune times. Like, when I want to have a vacation, the kids are out for a whole week, right? Um, so it, it just feels like the pressure of the year is exacerbated at an insurmountable level. I remember being in college, and this is the time of year that there are final exams. I'm like, all I want to do is watch Hallmark movies. And instead, I'm sending in for final exams and writing, writing papers, right? Is it really the most wonderful time of the year? And I just want to say something. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I want you to hear what I'm saying. It may not feel like the most wonderful time of the year because of what all is happening all around us. Okay? It may not feel like the most wonderful time of the year because of what all is happening around us. But we're just going to stay on this slide for just a second. Listen. It is the most wonderful time of the year because we are going to focus on what did happen. Thousands of years ago, a world with 
full of unmet expectations and pain and shame and grief and uncertainty and financial distress. Thousands of years ago, a promise was made known and made true through Jesus Christ offered to our world. What's happening in your life may feel like this year, it's not the most wonderful time of the year right now, but what matters this time of year for those of us in this room is what has already happened. Let's be honest, what is happening is full of these four things for many of us today that are sitting here. There are problems that we can't solve, right? There is something, there is some aunt can't talk to this person at the family dinner, and so Christmas and Christmas Eve are going to look different. There's a divorce, there's a separation, there's a breakup, and things are going to look different this year than they've ever looked before. There are problems that we can't solve, and they are in our face this time of year. There are expectations we cannot meet. People are going to ask for things for Christmas. Things are going to need to look a certain way. There's going to be Christmas lights that need to be put up, and there's going to be some moment where we recognize every expectation in front of us cannot be met. There is going to be messes that we don't understand. Can I be honest with y'all? I have no idea how to talk to you guys about what's happening in, in Israel and Palestine and Gaza right now. I have no idea what to say to you. I have no idea what to believe or what to think anymore. It just is a mess, and my heart is just breaking because people are hurting there in that place. I have no idea how to talk to y'all about it. And this isn't, we look at the news and it's not getting better. There are messes in the place where our Savior was born that we don't understand and we don't know how to talk about. And I think it's okay that we're honest about that. That is what is happening right now. There are people we can't control. Somebody is going to talk about politics or who they're voting for in 2024 or somebody's going to announce their presidential run or... You, your aunt's going to say something she shouldn't say, or your grandma's going to give you something you don't want for Christmas. People are going to be beyond what you can control. All of this is happening in our world and in our lives. All of this. And can I tell you all something? This story has been true for a really long time. Thousands of years ago, there were problems that people couldn't solve anymore. There were shepherds. Thousands of years ago, shepherds out in the field because they had nowhere else to work and nothing else to do. There were problems that they couldn't solve. The government was ruling and oppressing all these people. Like the whole reason Jesus was born in Bethlehem is because there was a decree. A messenger came out and said, hey, all y'all pack all your stuff up and head to Bethlehem to be counted by the government so we can have a little more control over you. There, there were expectations that weren't met. The people of God, the people of Israel were crying out to God, we are ready for a Savior. The Roman government is pressing in on us like we've never experienced before, and we need you to come down here and solve this right now. And you know what they got? A baby in a stable. A baby in a stable. There were expectations that were not met. There were messes that they did not understand. Their lives were crazy. Joseph and Mary left their home and were staying in the back of a barn. That's our story. Like, what a mess. There's all these people in Bethlehem away from their homes. They left their stuff and their jobs. They have no idea if they'll get back or not. There were messes happening that they didn't understand and people they couldn't control. 
Herod. You, Herod usually gets a bad rap. All of us have a little bit of Herod in us, right? He wants to control everything. He hears about this baby that was born that's going to be a king, and he's like, kill all the babies. Let, let me see if I can control it. Christmas shows us, more than any other time of the year, all of the mess all of the pain and shame and heartache of a year is exacerbated in a way it's never been before. This is what is happening. But can I tell you all something? What happened is more important. What happened is more important. John, in the Gospel of John, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all followers of Jesus. Matthew was a very intelligent, probably tax collector and Jewish guy. He knew his, his scriptures and stuff. He writes us a Gospel, and let me tell you all how he tells us about what happened that changed the whole world. He writes and he says, this is the genealogy of Jesus. This is his great, 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 great. 300 times grandma and grandpa, and this is the story that Jesus was born into. Matthew probably wrote the gospel that, that we read, um, the first one in the Bible. He probably wrote it when he was about 35, 40 years old. So some of y'all are about that age, right? He wrote it about that age. So he's like experienced all these things and he, firsthand, and he's like telling the world. He wasn't typing, they wrote. Um, I'm like typing out my Word document. That's not how Matthew did it. That's okay. Um, so he's like, you know, writing down the story as a 35 or 40-year-old. Mark, he is an interesting guy. He believes in, there's, we're not going to get there. He was also probably 35 or 40. He starts um, with sort of the baptism of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus is how he starts his gospel because that was what was important. That's what he wants you to know about. Luke was a physician, so he starts with the birth and the announcement and all of these things, right? This is important to him. But John wrote this gospel, wrote what we have as his gospel towards the end of his life. So he's had time to reflect on what the birth of Jesus meant, what the ministry of Jesus meant, what the death of Jesus on a cross meant, and what the resurrection meant. And he didn't hide any of that. In the whole writing, we have a wise man who says, this, this wise and seasoned man who's looked back on his life and recognized the ways that God's grace through Jesus has absolutely changed everything. The gospel you write right now, the story that God is writing in your life matters right now. But there are some of you who are seasoned disciples, seasoned followers of Jesus. And the way you tell the story of God's faithfulness in your life impacts those of us who are younger in a different way. And so that's what I want you to hear these words with this morning. And this is what John this is what John writes to people. Long after Jesus has died and rose again, he, he, this is what he says to the people who are who like kind of think Jesus is going to come back any time now, right? Have the second coming and save the world. This is what John says to them. Don't forget, right, that in the beginning was the Word, and it's capitalized. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus, the Logos, the Word spoken and it means something and it points us somewhere and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light 
of all humankind, the light shines in the darkness and the has not overcome it. The light shines in the middle of what all is happening and what all has happened, what all was happening did not overcome it because what has happened. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you this morning for the word. For Jesus who has come, who points us to you and your goodness and your light, who speaks to us in the middle of what all is happening in our lives and reminds us that what happened in him and through him matters. I pray this morning, God, that our eyes, our lives will be open to what has happened and that we will walk away from here different because of it. Amen. If you will take just a moment, and we're going to look through some ways that what happened changes everything. What happened is problems that we face, we no longer face alone. Okay? Many of you, if I, when I said what all is happening is we face all of these problems, the world convinces us it's you against them. It's us against them. Anybody watch the Gator Florida Seminole game last night? Anybody watch this? It was the Gators versus the Seminoles, and I love them both. Sorry, Chris, I do. And, and it got a little ugly last night, right? We live in a world that is us and them. Some of y'all are Seminoles fans, and you're like, don't talk to me this morning, Gator fan. You know, y'all are, it is us against them. We are convinced that we face our problems alone. And what John says became true through Jesus Christ in the world is we no longer face our problems alone. The Word was God, with God, and in the beginning and was here all along. We no longer face the problems that are happening in our lives and in our world alone. Through Jesus Christ, God is with us. Some versions of this say that God sent Jesus and he dwelled in the neighborhood. He like is your neighbor. He took up residence right beside you in your house, in your room. He is here in the middle of what is happening now. We no longer face our problems alone. And you're like, okay, I don't, I don't face my problem. What do I do with this, this time of year? I'm going to give you one practice that I would like for all of you to do this year. At night, before you go to bed, just get a candle and light it every night. And for just a few moments, name your problems before God. Name your problems before God and light that candle just like we lit the hope candle and know that those problems are no longer faced alone because Jesus Christ could have stayed in heaven and, and they could have him and God could have figured out some other way to control all of us. But what God did was put on our flesh and our bones and our body and live in the middle of what is happening here in our world. God knows what it's like. God knows what it's like to see the most precious and amazing gift that the world has ever known, to watch it walk around in this world that we live in. God knows what that's like. And God, after Jesus 
died and rose again, sent us the Holy Spirit that we would never, ever be alone. You do not face the problems in your life alone. So the one thing I want you to do between now and Christmas is get, get a candle. Go, go to Dollar Tree on your way home. Get a candle and light it every night. Name your problems before God and know you no longer face those problems alone because what is happening does not have more power than what has happened. Light it up, okay? That's our theme this year. Expectation was met with hope. The people had no hope. None. They were completely desperate and lonely and desperate people are longing and longing for hope and their expectation was met with hope. They weren't given a full-blown military leader. They weren't given a full-blown, you know, sword swinging whatever. That's not what they were given. They were given a baby, a baby that had to grow up. For 30 years before he would save the world. When it, hope is, is a faith in things that are not yet seen. The expectation that people had for a Savior and a Messiah was met with hope. An expectation that God would be faithful. An expectation is met with hope. What are the things that you are expecting? In, with your candle, this... Our, our theme for Advent is light it up. So with your candle, I want you to, to name some expectations that you have in your life that are not yet met. And what does it look like for you to face those with hope? Because John, John remembers being a 35-year-old and not knowing what the next day would hold. And he remembered that every single time that he was expecting something to happen, that God met it with hope through Jesus. And he began to have faith in things that he had not yet seen. Can you light your candle and begin to expect things ahead with hope? Because of what has happened, your messes will be made new. There are messes we don't understand. Jesus came right in the middle of all of it. Right in the middle of a war-torn, oppressed, crazy world, y'all. That's what he came into. And you know what he did? He found the hurting and he healed them. He found the sick and he cared for them. He found the lonely and he told the disciples, figure out how to befriend them and let's fix dinner for them. In the middle of the messes, Jesus created a new way to do things. At Advent, we don't pretend like Jesus hasn't come yet. He's come. He has come and because of what he did, we can face our messes knowing that they will be made new. With your candle that you're going to light up this week, I want you to to name some messes in our world. And I want you to begin to trust. I want you to begin to trust that God will make them new. What is it in your life that's a mess that God can make new? Your messes, are you listening? Your messes will be made new. Because of what has happened, people matter. Jesus could have come any way, any way that he wanted. And how he came was to let you know that you matter. You matter. So before we begin uh, praying for other people with our candle, I want you to think about all the ways that you don't feel worthy, that you don't feel good enough anymore. What are all of those things? Name them before God and know this, that God thought you were important and special enough to come to this world through Jesus. 
to show us a new and different way to live because people matter. And this is, this is going to be the, the, the hardest thing I want you to do this week is I want you to figure out some way to make that news of Jesus real. God put on real hands, real feet, real bodies, and he made himself known. What is our job, guys? It is to make Jesus known, to make people know their messes are not going to have the final word, no matter how bad they are, that they matter. What is one thing that you can do every day to help people understand they matter? Parents, we have young children at home. Look at your kids and figure out how to help them know they matter. At work, things are tough. You've got some difficult person to deal with. How can you help them know that they matter, that they're not lonely? Riding down the street, doing at the grocery store with a cranky person, whatever it is, how can every single day we make sure that one person knows that their life matters? My very favorite verse in all of the Bible is that the light has come and the darkness will not ever overcome it. I'll be really honest with y'all. There are things in our world that are really dark. There are things in our lives that are really dark. Last year, at this time, our church was sitting under a tent in a parking lot in the bowling alley. Anybody here for that? Some of you were like, yeah, we remember those days. Um, the sound didn't work. It was an absolute disaster zone that first Sunday. I think I cried for the first time in front of the entire church because um, I just couldn't keep it together anymore. And this is what, this is what I... I I was like reflecting on this, and this is what I, I came to believe. I, we thought what we were waiting on was for the bowling alley to be complete, and we were going to go in there in January. We thought that's what the season of Advent was about. But what happened instead is that we were literally on the streets of Del Mabry and Gandhi, and we began to meet people who were homeless, and they sat among us. Megan, one of the People in our church picked one of the guys up and took him to breakfast and then brought him to church. What happened was, folks, there was a guy, there was this one Sunday when the kids were all playing in the most secure kids area we could create, and we hear something being drug across the parking lot, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of preaching, and I, I didn't know what to do, so I just kept preaching, and I look out, and a guy who's experiencing homelessness has rescued a play area from a dumpster and drug it to our kids because he thought they would enjoy it. And so all the kids bust loose from this secure kids area and take off running to this play area that has been in a dumpster and I'm like kids back up <laughs> we're just going to pause the service for just a little bit and they Lysoled it off but he mattered right a man on the streets figured out how to tell our kids they mattered enough to have a play set on Sunday mornings and we thought that he mattered enough to say thank you we appreciate you people matter our messes, that dirty, messy play place that someone threw in a dumpster was Lysol wiped, and the, it's, it was a pirate ship. It was a pirate ship play thing. It was Lysoled, and it was made new, right? This is what Jesus, it happened, right? This is who God is. This is what God does in the season of Advent. And I thought that at this time last year, the at this time this year, we'd be sitting in Panorama, bowling alley, in a worship area, worshiping God with these amazing kids ministry areas. And that's not where we are. And I have been mad at God about that. But God met my expectation with hope. 
because the direction we were going in with the bowling alley at that time was not the right direction for our church. We had an operator in place that was not the right operator. And in the last four or five months, we have paired up with an operator who will run that bowling alley who cares about people who don't yet know the good news of Jesus. What has happened? They don't know. They don't even know about what's happened. And he's figuring out ways to pair and partner with our church so that people who don't know Jesus can know about his goodness and light in a new way. The worship area and the kids area in that space is going to look better and different than we ever imagined. And we've began to realize that a building doesn't matter. The tools that we can use for ministry to reach new people is what matters. What happened gives us purpose and stability. I don't think it was an accident that Jesus was born in a stable in the middle of an unstable, crazy world, our Jesus was, bi- was born in a stable. Because we know, we know that even in the messes of life, Jesus gives us stability. I don't know what darkness you're dealing with today, but I know that what I've experienced throughout my life is that the light of Jesus lights all the darkness up. There's never been a darkness that has not been overcome by it. And some people in this world will only know that's true is if, you, if you are some of the people who help them know that how much they matter to God. Light your candles and light up our world. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for each of these people here this morning. I pray that you'll use them in mighty ways to light up your world. And I pray, God, that they are honest. They are honest about their own expectations, their own messes, their own problems, and their own people, God. And I I pray that as you light up their lives, that they begin to understand your goodness offered to us through Jesus.